0: Can you crack the case? Download June's Journey for free today on iOS and Android. This episode is brought to
1: you by Sax.com. At sax.com, it's easy to find your new vibe. Dive into the Western trend with gold cowboy boots from Stott. Or go full 90s throwback with platforms from Prada. You can shop for everything on your agenda. Whether it's a breezy Zimmerman dress for a garden party or a bright Chloe blazer for brunch. Find inspiration for your new vibe every day at Saks.com.
0: Hello, listeners. I'm your host, Amara, and this is Black Girl Gone, a true crime podcast. On this episode of Black Girl Gone, we tell the story of Naomi Wilson, who was 32 years old when she disappeared from Cedar Rapids, Iowa on April 12, 1981. The day that she was last seen, she was supposed to go and visit a friend, but she never made it to her friend's house. That Monday, Naomi didn't show up for work, which was out of character for her. Two days after she was last seen, Her car was found parked in a Kmart parking lot, but there was no sign of Naomi. 40 years later, Naomi is still missing. Police believe that foul play was involved in her disappearance, but with little evidence and no body, her case remains cold. What happened to Naomi? And who is responsible for her disappearance? This is Naomi's story. With so many Black women going missing every year, it's easy for a story like Naomi's to be forgotten. But 40 years have passed since Naomi vanished, and her story is pretty much unknown. When I come across a story like Naomi's that is 40 years old, it's usually hard to find information about what happened. But in this case, IowaColdCases.org has done an amazing job compiling a lot of the information about Naomi and her life into one place. Police have long believed that Naomi is dead, but her body has never been found and so no one really knows what happened to her. And so even though it has been a lifetime since Naomi was last seen, I think it's still important to tell her story. Naomi Wilson was born Naomi Pollard in Birmingham, Alabama, on August 20th, 1948. She was raised there with her four brothers, and Naomi lived in Birmingham until she graduated from high school, and then she moved to Chicago. While there, Naomi met a man named Benny Washington, and eventually the two got married. Now, not much is known about their relationship, and I'm not sure how long they were married, but the couple ended up moving from Chicago to Cedar Rapids sometime in the late 70s. Their marriage, however, ended shortly after the couple moved to Iowa, and they divorced in 1978, according to the Charlie Project. At the time, several of Benny's family members lived in Cedar Rapids, and so I'm not sure if that had anything to do with their decision to move there in the first place. However, despite divorcing Benny, Naomi made the decision to stay in Cedar Rapids. In fact, the summer before her divorce, she had purchased a home there. But there was also something else that was keeping Naomi in Cedar Rapids— Shortly after divorcing Benny, Naomi began dating his uncle, Colbert Beats, who went by the nickname Billy. Now, Benny got remarried not long after their divorce, and he and his new wife moved to Denver, Colorado. Now, after her divorce and the start of her new relationship with Colbert, Naomi seemed to settle into her new life. She had a job working for a company that manufactured construction equipment— She had started working there in the handling and materials department, but eventually moved to working at a factory checkpoint. Those who were close to Naomi say that she was level-headed and that she was focused on improving her life. She was, after all, in her early 30s, and so despite the fact that her first marriage didn't work out, Naomi wanted to start over, and she was doing a good job. By 1981, Naomi and Colbert had been dating for three years. The couple did not live together, however. Now, when asked about Naomi after her disappearance, Colbert told the Gazette and newspaper in Iowa that Naomi was really friendly. He described her as easy to talk to, but not really outgoing. He also said that Naomi's temper occasionally flared up and that she was plain spoken, Colbert said that Naomi didn't beat around the bush, and if she didn't like something, she would tell you. The home that Naomi had purchased needed a little TLC, and so she had been focused on buying things to fix up her home. No one who knew Naomi reported any issues in her life at the time, and so from the information we do have, it seemed like Naomi was really happy. On April 12, 1981, it was a Sunday, and typically Naomi would have attended church. However, for whatever reason, that day she decided to skip church. According to Colbert, he went to church that day, and afterwards, he stopped by Naomi's house to visit. He said that everything seemed normal with Naomi. It was about mid afternoon when Colbert got to Naomi's house. And they were there together for about two hours before the two of them left. Colbert said that Naomi told him that she had plans to go and visit a friend that she worked with at the factory. He said that the two left her house around 4 p.m. within minutes of each other. Now, when Naomi left, Colbert said that she was planning to stop at a gas station to get gas before she headed over to her friend's house. Colbert said that he went to get some ice and then went over to his mother's house to drop it off. According to him, he assumed that Naomi had made it to her friend's house. He said that about an hour after they had left each other, he passed Naomi driving her car down a street. But Naomi never made it to her friend's house. Now that night, Colbert said that he waited for Naomi to return to her house. But when she didn't come home, he started to worry. Now, there were no cell phones at the time, and so there was no way for him to call her. And so he just waited. After a few hours of waiting, Colbert said that he decided to go looking for Naomi. He said he searched for her until 3 a.m. Monday morning. But Colbert said that he did not find Naomi or her car, a white 1978 Ford Fairmont. When the sun rose on Monday morning, Naomi still had not returned home. Several other people who knew Naomi and Colbert joined him in searching for Naomi on Monday. Colbert would later tell the Gazette that he didn't immediately report Naomi missing because he didn't want to alarm people for no reason. But when Naomi didn't show up for her scheduled shift at the factory— a coworker of Naomi's called Colbert to let him know that Naomi was a no show. At that point, it was clear that something was wrong because Naomi never missed work. She was described by her coworkers as hardworking and a diligent employee. So for her to not show up for work without an explanation was not something that Naomi would normally do. Colbert said that this is when he decided to call the police to report that Naomi was missing. Almost immediately, according to reports, friends and family of Colbert began searching for Naomi. They got in their cars and drove all over Cedar Rapids searching for any trace of Naomi. Two days after Naomi was last seen, on April 14th, while people were out searching for Naomi, they got their first piece of evidence when her car was found. At around 2:55 p.m., Colbert's brother found the car parked in the lot of a Kmart. They called the police, who met them at the car, but there was no sign of Naomi in the car, and as far as I can tell, they didn't find any of her personal items in the car either. They looked in the trunk to make sure Naomi wasn't inside, but. According to Colbert, he told the Gazette that the police didn't take any fingerprints and despite the car belonging to a missing person, they did not impound the car to take a closer look or to collect fingerprints. And instead, Colbert said that they allowed him to drive the car from the scene. The day after Naomi's car was found, around 30 people gathered again to help search for Naomi. Now, one of Colbert's brothers, Paul, was a reverend at a local church, and he went to the Lynn County Civil Defense Department and asked to borrow four walkie-talkies that they could use to help them communicate during their search. The Civil Defense Department gave Paul the walkie-talkies, and according to reporting, the Civil Defense Director met with the search party to show them how to set up a search pattern. The search party was beginning their efforts at the Kmart parking lot where Naomi's car was found. Now, the civil defense director that came out to help them told the Gazette that, quote, we checked through a big forested area near the parking lot behind the truck services center to the east of Kmart. We formed lines and crisscrossed a huge area, but we didn't find anything. At the time, Police were not suspecting that foul play was involved in Naomi's disappearance. But those who knew her best said that she would not have left without telling anybody. She also had no reason to leave. She had just bought her house, which she was fixing up, and she had bought a car, too. Not to mention that she was doing well at work and had made no indication that she was having any issues in her relationship with Colbert. Now, out of Naomi's four brothers, only two were still living when she vanished. One of her brothers had died in 1958 and the other in 1972. But her two surviving brothers, John and Lorenzo Pollard, were living in Atlanta at the time. And when they found out about their sister's disappearance, they came to Cedar Rapids to help assist in the search. Naomi's brothers agreed that Naomi would not have just left on her own. but They did express optimism that she would be found safe, and when they spoke to the Gazette two weeks after Naomi disappeared, her brother John said that, quote, I guess I have a positive attitude. I don't have that gut feeling that something is wrong with her right now. He said that his wish was that, quote, if any person or persons are holding her, that she can break free and call her family. However... As John tried to stay positive about his sister's return, Colbert told The Gazette that he believed that foul play was involved. He told them, quote, "Something would have had to have happened to her. I can never believe that she would just leave town." Now in that article, Colbert also expresses his frustration with the police response and investigation. As an example of why he felt that way, he said that the day before Naomi's car was found, he was out searching and he stopped the police officer to ask him if he had seen the car. Colbert said that the officer had no idea that Naomi had been reporting missing and that there was an attempt to locate report for her car. He said that he doesn't believe that the police ever tried to find her car. And once the car was found, Colbert took issue with the fact that the police didn't take any fingerprints or collect any evidence from the car and instead allowed him to just drive off in the car. Her brother John also felt like the police were not really looking for his sister either. and He told the Gazette that, quote, I think they're doing a poor job. I don't think that they took this missing person report seriously. Being from the South and being Black, I grew up knowing that if you're white, they jump on the case. If you're Black, they wait around a little bit before acting. Now, as you can imagine, there is not a lot of information about the investigation into Naomi's disappearance. But we can see that at the time, both Colbert and Naomi's family expressed their concern over the lack of care that the local PD had shown for Naomi missing. Her family and friends, just like family and friends today, were forced to look for Naomi on their own. But unfortunately, there was no social media for them to turn to in order to spread awareness about Naomi's case. The local paper did cover Naomi's disappearance during the early weeks, but the story never made it out of Cedar Rapids. And as the weeks went by and the mystery of what happened to Naomi deepened, her family and friends had no idea that they would spend a lifetime trying to find answers. The key to consistent good hair days is using ingredients that benefit your hair. Function of Beauty makes hair care products that are 100% customizable, made for your hair where it's at now and where you want it to go. Function of Beauty is the world's first fully customizable hair care that creates individually filled shampoos, conditioners, styling, and treatment formulas based on your hair now and where you want it to go. Founded by a dream team of engineers and cosmetic scientists, each Function of Beauty product is individually designed to be as unique as you are. Function of Beauty offers over 54 trillion possible formulations. Every one of them is vegan and cruelty-free, and they never use sulfates or parabens. You can also go completely silicone-free. Here's how it works. First, take the quick hair quiz to build your hair profile and select five hair goals like length, volumize, and oil control. Does your hair get frizzy in the winter, but oily in the summer? Function formulations are meant to be changed when your needs change. Next, choose your color and fragrance or go dye or fragrance free. Then get your freshly filled formula delivered straight to your door and prepare for good hair days ahead. Say goodbye to generic hair care for good today. Go to functionofbeauty.com slash girlgone to take your hair goals quiz and you'll save 25% on your first order. Go to functionofbeauty.com slash girlgone to let them know that you heard about it from our show and to get 25% off your first order. That's functionofbeauty.com slash girlgone to take your hair quiz and save 25% on your first order.
1: This episode is brought to you by Saks.com. At Saks.com, it's easy to find your new vibe, Dive into the Western trend with gold cowboy boots from Stott or go full 90s throwback with platforms from Prada. You can shop for everything on your agenda, whether it's a breezy Zimmerman dress for a garden party or a bright Chloe blazer for brunch. Find inspiration for your new vibe every day at Saks.com. On April 12th,
0: 1981, 32-year-old Naomi Wilson disappeared. The Sunday that she was last seen had been a normal day for Naomi, and she had made plans to go and visit a friend. Her boyfriend Colbert said that she left her home around 4 p.m. and said she was going to get gas before heading over to her friend's house. An hour later, Colbert said he saw Naomi driving down the street in her white Ford. But it was the last time that anyone ever saw Naomi. She never made it to her friend's house. Two days later, her car was found abandoned in the parking lot of a Kmart, but there was no sign of Naomi. Her boyfriend Colbert and friends of theirs organized searches for Naomi. They spent hours driving around Cedar Rapids looking for her, but they didn't find Naomi. Information about the investigation by police doesn't really exist, and so it's hard to determine what police did to find Naomi. Part of the problem is that Naomi disappeared 40 years ago. But the other part of the problem is that, according to Colbert and Naomi's brother, the police were not doing much from the beginning to look for Naomi. A few weeks after Naomi went missing, four women were riding in a car when it stalled on the side of a road in Cedar Rapids. Now, according to an article in the Gazette, The women were waiting for a friend to come and help them when they were approached by two officers who saw their car stalled. Now, the cops proceeded to ask the women for ID, but the women refused, and the cops said that one of the women began getting loud and using quote-unquote vulgar language. The article stated that during the confrontation, one of the cops accused the women of either having warrants or being wanted. But he also thought that she could be Naomi Wilson, who he knew was missing. Now, it turned out the woman was, of course, not Naomi, but he was right about the warrants. However, it's interesting to me that the cop would accuse her of being a missing person while also suspecting her of warrants. It makes you wonder if, despite the fact that they conceded that Naomi had no reason to leave, that They really thought that she had, and that's why they weren't looking for her in the days after she was last seen. Now, from what I could gather, it didn't seem like at that time that anyone suspected that Colbert was involved in what happened to Naomi. He was the only one that was really leading the efforts to find Naomi. Now, he did, however, move into her home five months after she disappeared. By September 1981, it was reported that Colbert was living in his missing girlfriend's home. Now, because there's no information about how or when this took place, for all we know, Naomi's brothers gave him permission to move into her house. We can't really assume that he just did this on his own. But it was clear that Colbert had financial troubles. In 1979, two years before Naomi's disappearance, Colbert had filed for bankruptcy. Now, none of the information that is available makes any mention about what Colbert did for a living, but he continued to live in Naomi's house for almost a year. During that time, there were no new articles about Naomi's disappearance, and it's not clear if Colbert continued to look for her while he lived in her home. But while he was living there, he did not pay the mortgage, and so eventually, The bank foreclosed on the home, and Colbert was forced to move out. At that point, Naomi's case was cold. There had been no new information released about her, and Colbert had begun to move on with his life. In 1982, he got married to a woman named Sandra, and in September of that year, they had a son named Marcus. And after that, very little information exists about Colbert in the years after he got married. He and his wife continued to live a seemingly quiet life in Cedar Rapids, where they raised Sanja's child from a previous relationship and their son together. His brother Wendell Beats, however, led the opposite of a quiet life. Wendell was a reverend like their other brother, Paul, who I mentioned earlier as the one who asked for the walkie-talkies during their search for Naomi two days after she went missing. Wendell had been convicted of forgery and passing bad checks in the 60s and had served probation for the crime. But he was only 22 at the time, and so it seemed like he had turned his life around. By 1987, he and his brother Paul were co-pastors of a church in Cedar Rapids. But in 1992, Mundell was accused of sexually abusing a teenager that attended his church. At the time, the allegation surfaced. The young woman was 19. But she said that the abuse had been happening for years. And she wasn't the only one. After she came forward, Several other young women also came forward and said that they, too, were abused by Wendell. Wendell, surprisingly, did not deny the allegations. In fact, he stood up in front of his congregation and admitted to what he called sexual misdeeds before resigning from his position as pastor. He eventually was charged with the assault. Now, he tried to change his story during his trial— claiming that the young woman had made up the story because she was angry that he was having an affair with her mother. But the defense didn't work, and he was found guilty in December 1993, and he was sentenced to two years in prison. But after he was released, Wendell went right back to being a pastor. Despite his sexual assault conviction, he was able to pretty much go back to being a pastor like nothing ever happened. iowacoldcases.org said that two years after his release, he and his brother Colbert were listed as co reverends of a church. Over the years, trouble and tragedy seemed to follow the men in the Beats family. Colbert's oldest son was charged with felony assault and intent to commit sexual assault. And two years later, in 1997, Paul's son committed suicide by drowning. But while the Beats family dealt with their own issues, it seemed like no one was talking about Naomi anymore. Searches for information about her case during those years turned up nothing. Now, in 1988, the Gazette reported that a shallow grave had been found in a remote area in Cedar Rapids. The police chief at the time told the Gazette that finding the grave made him think about Naomi, who he said he never forgot about. The grave ended up being empty, but as the years went by, it was pretty clear that Naomi most likely had been met with foul play and was probably no longer alive. But there were no clues at all about what could have happened to her. And that makes this case so much more frustrating. In 2003, tragedy struck the Beats family once again when Colbert's 21-year-old son Marcus committed suicide. Marcus, described as a premier drummer, shot himself in November of that year. As Uncle Wendell presided over the service. Although not much information exists about Naomi's family over the years either, I'm sure that her disappearance was difficult for them. Naomi did not have children yet, but her parents and two of her brothers were still alive when she went missing. Going one year searching for your loved ones is unimaginable for most of us, but 10 years, 20 years, 30 years? that's a lifetime full of pain and unanswered questions. In 2010, however, it seemed like Naomi's family may get at least one of the answers to their questions. A volunteer that was working with the Doe Network found out about Naomi's disappearance and thought that she had similarities to an unidentified woman whose remains had been found in Houston, Texas in August 1981. The woman had been murdered. But the volunteer did send the information to the police. However, police had no DNA or dental records to compare the body to. Fortunately, Iowa Cold Cases was able to give the volunteer the contact information for Naomi's two brothers who were still living at the time. According to their site, the brothers agreed to submit their DNA, and they were hopeful that. Even if the remains didn't belong to their sister, that at least their DNA would be in the system for the future. But it's not really clear if the DNA was ever submitted. And I can't find any information about what happened or if the testing is still pending. But Naomi is still listed as a missing person. As of today, Naomi's case. Is completely cold. And many of the people who were around when she went missing have died. But it's not unrealistic that there could still be someone out there that remembers what happened to Naomi. With all of the things going good in Naomi's life, I think it's safe to say that she likely didn't just walk away from her life. Colbert Beats, nor any of his family members, were ever considered suspects in Naomi's disappearance. Colbert moving into her house after she disappeared did seem weird, but he simply could have just been down on his luck. And because there isn't much reporting in the years following her disappearance, who's to say that he didn't keep looking for Naomi? Every time I think about the fact that I'm telling the story of a woman who has been missing for 40 years, it breaks my heart. She was around my age when she went missing, before I was born. And if she's still alive, she would have been 72 years old now. I can't imagine having someone in my family missing for that long without any answers. There may not be any information about Naomi's disappearance in the past 40 years, but I'm sure her family never stopped wondering what happened to her. Stories that happened 40 or 50 years ago tend to not have all the interesting details that more recent stories do. But as long as they're still missing, it's important to at least talk about the things that we do know. If for no other reason than to acknowledge that at some point, this person existed, they had a life, and they had people that cared about them. And whether they are ever found or there are ever answers about what happened, we can still honor them by telling people their story, even if it is incomplete. Naomi Wilson was 32 years old when she vanished. She was living a happy life in Cedar Rapids. She had just bought a house and a car. And so for her to disappear without a trace is such a tragic end to her story. If you have any information about Naomi's disappearance, you can contact the Cedar Rapids, Iowa Police Department. Thank you for listening to this week's episode. We'll be back next week with a brand new episode. Make sure you subscribe to the show so you never miss an episode. It also helps our show grow. As always, follow us on Instagram, Twitter, TikTok, and Facebook.